podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not. Welcome to episode number 51. Thanks for listening today. And we're so glad you're here. Today, we're going to talk to Adam Petty. Um, I know Adam because I work with his wife, Danny, at the Ram Academy. And um, he has a story. He's he has a story to tell, and we're excited to listen to it. He is a husband, a dad. He coaches gymnastics and tumbling, and you're just going to love his story. Something that I hope you notice in Adam's story today is the impact that believers had in his life. And I'm hoping that we as listeners are ready and open to being used by the Lord like his friend, particularly I'm thinking about the friend he talks about when he was 13 years old and his friend Joe invited him to church. That friend that took him to church may have never known what an important thing that was for Adam's life and how God was going to begin leading Adam down a path towards salvation, towards abundant life. And I just think that as all of us go through our days, whether we're at work or in our neighborhood or just meeting people in our daily interactions, you never know how God can use you in your relationships. So as you're listening today, just keep that in mind. And we hope that this story that Adam shares blesses your life. So listen in. Adam, thanks for coming tonight or it's, today. It's a day. That's right. <laughs> welcome to Afraid Not. Well, thanks for having me, guys. You're welcome. We're so thankful that you are willing to share our, with our listeners and with us today the story of what God's done in your life. And hopefully, listeners, as you're hearing this, something that's shared today will be beneficial to you and would help you to see how you can trust the Lord in your ups and downs and in your afraid knots. So tell us a little, introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. I'm John Adam Petty. I go by Adam. I've been married to my wife, Danny, for five years. And we have a three-year-old son, uh, Oliver. And I love being a dad. It's one of my greatest dream come trues. Mm. So um, <laughs> my family and I are members at First Church here in Owasso. And I work in cells at Halco Metals in Kiefer which we just sell different metals among various things. So is Kiefer close by? It's um, 30 minutes down highway 75 heading South. Okay. So, so you not, got about a half hour commute. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Nice. Enough time to listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like afraid not. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. It's okay. <laughs> So another little thing I know about Adam is you are a gymnastics coach. Yes, I coach tumbling. So I've done this for 20 years. I would say it's one of my passions. Uh, If I had hobbies, it would be more like I like to fish and golf. And Jill, you know this, I golf with your husband, Sean. Yes. (laughs) um, But yeah, uh, I've taught for a little over 20 years. So um, it was kind of funny how I got into coaching tumbling. I was 17 years old and it was never something that was planned. It was what people would say accident, but I think we know there's more to it or more behind it than that. So it would have been a summer, me and my brother were in the backyard and he actually was supposed to start a fire. We we're supposed to burn some brush. He poured some gas on, 
on the brush. Oh, and no. And he couldn't get his match to start. And so the gas actually trickled down and there was a little creek that was underneath it. And he was walking through the water, didn't even realize it. So when he finally got the match to start, it caused a fire and it caught his feet and his legs. Oh, scary. He had to stop, drop and roll. Anyways, he was actually working at a tumbling gym and I was working at Hobby Lobby. So the lady that was uh, his boss, she came to visit the next day and she's like, I don't know how I'm going to replace you. Well, she didn't know I was working at Hobby Lobby and I just did not like my job at that point in time. But my mom had a rule. You had to have another job before you quit. Right. be able to put two weeks in. So um, she looked at me and said, do you want to learn how to coach tumbling? She goes, you have to learn how to do it too. But I was like, yeah, sure. Um, I don't like my job right now. So and I was 17. <laughs> yeah. You know? and wow. so, so you hadn't tumbled before you were 17? Just on the trampoline, just playing around mm-hmm. with friends and my brother. And since he was coaching a little bit, so no background whatsoever and just kind of picked it up. And that's when it just kind of took off right there. Did you love it right from the start? Yes, I did. It That's was so cool. It was so much fun learning how to coach and tumble at the same time. Have you learned how to do some of those things? Like, can you do like a standing back flip or things like that? Yes. Oh my goodness. That's yes. so awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yay. So that's actually uh, what I went uh, to school on a full ride. You did? Mm-hmm. For the, for the cheerleading. That's so cool. Which university? I went to Parrish Junior College in Texas. Wow. And you got your school paid for. Mm-hmm. Whoa. That's so smart. Yeah. Fantastic. So how did you and Danny meet? I know Adam because through, through his wife, Danny, that she and I work together. Right. So uh, I'm tumbling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of like how I'm connecting with everything. It's hilarious. Um, but uh, I walked into Catoosa High School. I'd been tumbling them for the past 10 years at that point in time. And uh, I walk in and there she was. And I was like, oh my gosh, they hired a really pretty assistant coach. And I'm like, <laughs> so nervous. Oh. And uh, I, I did my best to avoid her, to be honest. Like if she was in one side, I was on the other side. I just didn't, uh, I was intimidated, you know? Because so, she was so pretty? She was so pretty. Yeah, blue eyes, dark hair. She was exactly what I prayed for. It was funny, like 10 years before I had met her, you know? Aww. I was like, I want someone that's like an inch or two taller than me. <laughs> and <I have> dark <laughs> hair and blue eyes. And sure enough, it just, it just kind of appeared out of nowhere. But what happened was, uh, I guess the kids noticed that I was checking her out. <laughs> so I, I wasn't doing my job probably like I should have been, but it, she was a bit of a distraction in a good way. So, but to hear Danny tell it, she didn't think you liked her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't think I liked her. And the other coach that came with me, so Danny, she tumbled also and he, and she asked this other coach like, Hey, will you spot me? And I was like, Oh, she's asking this guy to spot her. Like, why didn't she ask me? Okay. Well, I guess she likes him. So I just, and in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, whatever. I backed off. <laughs> Anyways, the kids, I guess, had made a comment to me and I said, you know, it seems like she likes this other coach, Zach. And she heard about it. And then she got my number from the head coach and shot me a text. <laughs> and called me out on it and so <laughs> about two weeks later we finally got to go on our first date and it just the ball just went rolling after that and that's pretty much all she wrote and oh that's such a great story yeah. I love it <laughs> so yeah well, thank god for cheerleading and tumbling and you're still coaching I still coach that's awesome yeah yeah which place do you coach now I'm at Spirit Explosion in Catoosa 
Okay, great. So listeners, if you are looking for a good place for tumbling for your kids, check it out in Catoosa. (laughs) Just a little plug, shameless plug. Right. So talk a little bit about Ollie. I love Ollie. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, like I said, he's three. And if we're being technical, you know, he's three and a half. Mm -hmm. So, and he's all... Three-year-olds are very... Three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. He's all boy. I mean, Mm -hmm. he just... He loves to do anything outside. He doesn't want to be inside, run, play, jump, all that stuff. So we just have an absolute ball with him. He's going to Grand Central Kids in Owasso right now. And um, I'm off work on Wednesday, so I get to take him. And so the first time I go to take him in there, I was thinking, you know, he's going to hold on to my hand and it's going to be hard to separate. And I'm like having dad anxiety. And then (laughs) all of a sudden, like, there's another kid in front of us with his mom and the mom's holding a baby on her hip and walking her son in. And he's like, no, don't, I don't want to go in mom. Don't make me go. And like holding the door and pushing against it. And then finally she's like, guides him in. She's like, you'll be okay. It's all right. And I was like, Ollie. And he just like shoots into the door runs <laughs> <into> the seat, <laughs> and he starts playing. And, and then like, I'm walking out with that mom. I was like, does that hurt your mama heart? And she goes, no, not really. Just holding her baby. And I thought, well, you probably have multiple kids and that's our only son. So I'm like, I get it. But <laughs> <laughs> Have you you always lived in Oklahoma? Yeah. Uh, b- besides the living in Texas for um, college, I was in Texas for a year in Paris. And uh, then I actually transferred over to Coffeyville, Kansas. And I lived there for a year. So that had been the only time that I was out of Oklahoma. So... So tell us, do you have a story of when things got frayed? And Yes, I do. Um, so like I said, I didn't start coaching tumbling and doing the cheer till I was 17. Uh, everything that I did at that point in time or up to that point was wrestling, football, baseball. And my dad had coached me in a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was 13 years old, we were at a wrestling tournament, me and my brother. And we had made it to the finals and we knew that my dad was like a little sick, but we didn't know if there was anything going on. And so we finished the tournament. My mom's driving his truck. So we kind of thought, Oh, there's something wrong. Like he's just laying down in the um, seat and we, we didn't really think too much of it. So we get back home. Um, and then my mom wakes us up and she's like, Hey, we're going to take your dad to the hospital. And we're like, okay, you know, get him checked out. No big deal. She said, your grandparents are going to come pick you up and bring you up to the hospital. And we said, okay. So um, it would probably been like an hour and a half later, our grandparents come and pick us up and we get up to the hospital and they pull us to a side room right away. And they like tell us right then and there, like your dad's about to pass away. Oh no. So, and you need and to you say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, oh no. Um, it was spinal meningitis, bacterial pneumococcus. So it was, from what I understand, some of the first cases that they saw come through the area. So anyways, he fought for his life for about a month. Um, and when this happened, it was like right around December, probably second weekend. So we were like wrestling the tournament and then Christmas break hit. So no one at school really knew what was going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of a good thing too. We didn't have a bunch of people asking us questions. It was just close friends. But what came from that too is uh, my mom spent a ton of time at the hospital. So we spent a lot of time with friends and 
to tell you the truth, I didn't grow up in church. We didn't really know anything about church. It was Sunday was all about doing chores and mm-hmm. whatever mom said to do around the house, we got done. So whenever um, my dad was in the hospital and we we're staying with our friends, my friend Joe, they went to New Beginnings Baptist Church in Bigsby. And so he's like, hey, you want to come to the youth group? Sure. So that's kind of how the church started for me. And like, it just kind of took off from there. At 13. At at 13. So I went to uh, my church with my grandpa at St. Clement Catholic Church in Bigsby. But, you know, it was more to hang out with my grandpa. And to be honest, it was, I was so bored. Um, I don't know if it's good or not to say, but (laughs) Well, it's honest. Yeah. I mean, it's what so, you were experiencing. Very honest, yeah. What, how did you feel about Joe's youth group? Did you like going? Yeah, I mean, it was really small at that point in time. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and the youth ministers were Jim and Sammy Lemon, and they, like, took me in. They knew the story about what was going on, mm-hmm. so they made sure if the youth was going on any any kind of trip, the church paid for it. Me and my brothers were always taken care of there. So, um, and the pastor Phil and Carol Slee, like always oversaw that and made sure. So I knew that we were, I, I didn't know, no, at that point in time, but mm-hmm. come to find out later that we were taken care of. So God's hand was on it at all times. And we mm-hmm. just, you know, you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of a picture of what the church should be for people, a safe haven. We're going to take care of you. If you need something, we're here. And right. Welcoming. Yes. I mean, cause they really, embrace you without you being one of the people that had grown up in that church. They just said, we're glad you're here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with open arms. And wow, that's what our church should be right now. The global church and our local church, wherever God has planted us. So yeah. such an important thing that I'm glad you experienced that. Well, what was the next thing that happened for you? Well, in that month after my dad had passed away, um, you know, like there's people that visit you and they're dropping off food, coming and going. I remember there was a book on our coffee table about the seven stages of grieving, something like that, that I'd stumbled upon. It was probably the first book, too, that I've ever read in my life that was over 100 pages. And mind you, I was 13 years old at this time, but <laughs> but you that's not unusual. But, but I read it and, uh, you know, like. They had like shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, the upward turn, reconstruction and working through and acceptance and hope. And I remember the shock and denial because my dad worked late. He wouldn't come home till nine o'clock. So when we had like late visitors and I'd be upstairs, I'd hear the door open and close. And, you know, you just like ran downstairs thinking, is that him? Oh, you know, and, you know, you just kind of just break your heart over and over again. So yeah. I remember being crying into my pillow a whole bunch and not just having any understanding, you know? Um, so I guess as I'm going to church and trying to deal with this, you know, and I, I actually have three older siblings too on top of this. So my mom's trying to find balance and be able How to How many of you total were there? How to- many siblings? Total was four. Four siblings. And you're the youngest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's a lot for your mom Yeah, to navigate her grief and to navigate how you, her kids were doing. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had, um, my aunt Lisa actually came from Arkansas. She had a job and she had a son, Cody. She came and moved back to Oklahoma to help us out. So it was, we, we definitely appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It was something that we needed just to help our mom out. Cause that was a lot to go through, especially to think about it as you get older, you know, at that moment, you don't think. 
anything about it. So you're kind of dealing with your own stuff Mm -hmm. and own pains. So, but as, as I'm going through this and going to church, uh, church camp comes up and, you know, I've never been before and I was really excited. And that's when, um, it was shepherd's fold ministry. I've been there. It's a great place. Yes. Dawson McAllister was. Oh my goodness. You say Dawson. I say what? (laughs) (laughs) All you listeners out there from my generation. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So continue Dawson McAllister. Yeah. So like the first night we're there, I mean, um, it is exciting and we're just, I mean, the music's great. Just having a good time. My brother's there with me. So felt super comfortable and they had the ICT time, which is the individual church time at the end of the, um, everything that goes on in that first day. And so that's when, uh, they just kind of broke us up into groups and this lady, uh, who was working there with the church with us, Becky, even she was kind of just talking to us and just asked the question, uh, you know, it, do you know Christ? And, uh, you know, if you were to die and tonight, do you know where you'd go? And it just kind of, put this questions in my head. And so mm-hmm. everyone bowed their heads and she said, you know, just look at me and raise your hand if you have questions. And I did because mm-hmm. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I made sure I was in the back. And so no one saw me. I looked up, I said, do you see me? And I was <laughs> pointing at myself because mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to her. And so that night. I did was, she nod? Yes. The silent yeah. laugh. Yeah. Got she you. was, she's like, it's okay. <laughs> she was excited because she knew our story. She was from Bixby. So mm-hmm. she kind of, well, my brother was dating her daughter. So at that point in time. So, um, but anyways, that night I was saved and it kind of, I guess there was 39 or 40 other kids that night that followed right in after Mm. it was incredible. That's amazing. So many kids giving their lives to Jesus at Mm. one time. It's really special. Yeah. So what were some things that happened in the months following camp and even years following camp that you look back now and you see that was God taking care of you, helping you grow, leading you down and just leading you through your grief. It must be a long road, but what were some things you see now? Well, I think just after reading that seven stage, seven stages book and just realizing that I was very open about talking about my dad's death and sharing his story. Um, I think that was one of the biggest things that helped me out. So especially looking back on it, I know it was. So I made sure that I always communicated that with anyone that would listen to me, honestly. I just loved Mm -hmm. sharing his story. Mm -hmm. So because he was a great dad Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just a a story that whenever my mom loves to watch um, scary movies and I do not like scary movies. I, I, I don't either. Stand them. <laughs> I kind of do. Like I just, them. You do? I kinda that do. surprises me, like. <laughs> I just get so worked up. I, I get into it way too much, you yeah. know. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I know that person is here somewhere. Yeah, I know. And I, <laughs> Checking closets. Yeah. So my dad really did a good job because I don't think he liked watching it. Now, he never admitted it, but I don't think he liked watching them either. So we would go hop in his truck and we'd go to Brahms and get some ice cream. And, you know, he would just have these stories and telling me like, hey, you know, whatever you want to be when you grow up, you know, just follow your heart, just work hard, just all those motivational talks. And I mean, it was like always going on at that point in time. So it's such a great thing about your dad. What a great guy. And just think about the fact that even though he must have been feeling so sick, that 
one of his last days before the hospitalization, what was he doing? He was at your wrestling tournament. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, listeners, if you're wondering, what is the lovely music in the town? <laughs> well, it's the ice cream truck. <laughs> Anyone in the mood for a Neapolitan bomb popsicle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never a dull Keeping it real. Yeah. <laughs> so what were some other steps along your path? Maybe, did you continue going to that church? Did you find a different church in your hometown or what was going on? So I went to that church um, until I graduated. And they actually, at that point in time, and this would have probably been like, I guess, 25 years ago, they didn't have like a youth after you had graduated high school. Mm -hmm. So I did, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, I heard about Gutch Church. And Mm -hmm. so I was actually coaching Bill and Sandy Shear's daughter and they invited us out to the church. And so it just kind of like God always had his hand on me and guiding me. And I just jumped right into church. And I think it was called sub 30. It was like the 18 and 18 to 30 year olds. So like there's singles college and career type group. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I got involved with that and brought a couple of coaches that I was working at the gym at that point in time with me. So we just kind of tried our best to stay hooked up. Mm. So at this time you're in co- your college age and you said you went to college in Texas. Yes. So I was going to school at Parish Junior College and I was unfamiliar with the town. What took you there? So the uh, cheerleading took me there. Okay. So I got the full ride scholarship and were you close to that? What is the, the cheerleading, the cheer show? Navarro. Navarro. Yeah. Yes. Were you close to that? Yeah. I was about an hour and a half away. Oh, that's so, interesting. Of course cool. Yeah. I think it's what it's called. So yeah, we actually went up against them at uh, uh, NCA College Nationals. Really? So we took third, they took first, and then there's Trinity Valley that took wow. second. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, we used to actually work uh, America's Best competition together, and we would always have like tumble off, stunt off. Yeah. So I was very familiar with Navarro. So that, that show was funny <laughs> when it came out. You are yeah. well aware of all the ins and outs of that and behind the scenes. That's it. That's yes. great. Yes. <laughs> So, so but cool. with, with all that, um, like I said, I was unfamiliar with the town. I kind of fell off going to church and it kind of led me down a path that I wasn't very proud of with just um, a party scene, I guess, is what I would picked up on. And um, I guess whenever my dad passed away and I chose the path or God put me on this path, I felt like I was on the straight and narrow. And as I get off to college, maybe it was that I felt like I missed something. And Mm -hmm. so I went and kind of experimented down this road. Well, it wouldn't be for several years later until I kind of looked back and was like, what am I doing right now with my life? I feel like nothing's being fulfilled. Like I was expecting to be married at 25 and have started a family. And here I am sitting at 27 and this stuff is not happening. So it made me really reflect hard on my life. Like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And I actually go to one of my best friends, um, his wedding, and I kind of see what he had. And I, it kind of made me think, okay, what is he doing with his life? So I actually got to ask him some questions. And he was in that scene for a little bit. And he told me I changed what I was doing. So it kind of brought me into this next part of my life. And I thought, well, maybe if I was to change what I'm doing and mix it up, you know, because I'm not really honoring God. And maybe it will be that someone's presented to me at that point in time as like potential for a girlfriend leading into a wife. So anyways, uh, when I did get back into church and finally pick a different path, 
it seemed like everything started working itself out very slowly. So, but yeah, because I think I met Danny at like 29. So did you come straight back to Oklahoma after college then? Um, I bounced around a little bit. So I did, I I went back to TCC Mm -hmm. and I ended up finishing up at Southern Nazarene University. So yeah, I did bounce around a little bit, but eventually getting back on track and getting back into church and uh, it really did help straighten out some things for me. So Mm -hmm. figure out what what I really needed to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So when you were going to SNU, it's possible that just a mile down the road, Jill and I were at Council Road Baptist Church around that same season. Did you know that that church was just a mile away from your college? No. And that's where we both were for a lot of years for life. Kind of a a fun connection. So it is. Yeah. And God's hand was so faithful to bring you, I guess he used that friend to say, hey, man, this is what I did. and, And it might help me too. And then for you to experience, I'm getting back in church and, and God brought Danny in your life. That's a great example of how he has all kinds of blessings in store for us. And often we keep ourselves from those blessings if we're out of his will. Mm -hmm. So I love in your story that you kind of had a wake up call of what am I doing? what is happening in my life? You know, how did I get on this path? So listeners, that may be you today. You may be thinking, how, how am I off track? And, mm-hmm. and remembering the things you learned when you were growing up and maybe you had a chance to be in youth group and maybe the Lord is touching your heart today just to remind you, hey, come on back to me. Come on back. And um, Adam's story may be what pulls you back today. So once you um, started walking with the Lord again, um, and then met Danny. How did you kind of share with us the, the story of how you decided to ask her to marry you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, well, I think we picked a wedding date before we even, I even had proposed. She, <laughs> she, she knew it was coming. So, uh, and I guess we felt like we were starting later. And so we, we did, we talked and we were very upfront with each other. So very honest. And so it was actually in my apartment whenever I proposed to her. So I was really nervous, but I, it was all on too. I was like, hey, we're getting closer to this uh, um, date that we're going to get married. Like, I need to probably pop the question. I've had the ring in my pocket, <laughs> hidden it in a room. And I'm like, uh, okay, so because it was always like, you know, am I going to do it at dinner or am I going to hide it in something? And finally, something just overcame me in the apartment and I actually like, did it right there where I hit my knee and I asked for a hand of marriage and completely forgot to pull out the ring. Cause I was so nervous. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me and was like, is this real? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. And I stood back up, pulled the ring back out and then hit the knee. And then I was like, yes, this is real. Here's the ring. Will you marry me? So yeah, as you can tell, I'm red-faced right now. It was, it, was, it was hard at that point, but it's really funny sharing that story now. So. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you did ask her, and she said yes. <laughs> so how many years have you been married now? It's been five years. So, okay. yeah. Uh, and we were in Broken Arrow at the time when we got married, and we bounced over to Claremore, and we lived there for about a year and a half, and now we're in Owasso. And she's a teacher at the Ram Academy. And she works over with Jill and she loves her job. We love Owasso. And 
um, before, before that I had been in Owasso a little bit with cheerleading. So we had a small gym in Owasso over on 76 behind the Waffle House where um, oh, it was yeah. called the Owasso yeah. Fitness mm-hmm. Zone. I've heard of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, I think now it's 10 gym. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually work out there. So it's really funny going back into that place. But yeah. So um, I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> I did notice in your story too, that I liked that God sent sent friends in your life mm-hmm. at just the right moment. Your friend in when you were 13 then invited you to church and then your friend when he was getting married, like specific people to come in and right. bring you along. Yeah, it does. Because it just kind of helps ground you for a minute, you know, and just make you reflect on what you're doing. So, and when I was 13, the St. John's, they were a blessing. And there was, there was a lot of other families that made that they stepped up and you just, mm-hmm. you didn't really think about it at that point in time, but like the people you got to stay at night with, and I didn't even know, you know, that these people were doing stuff in our lives and that how much they were really helping out until you actually just get to stop and think and reflect on it. So yeah, Aaron, the friend I met or the wedding I went to whenever I was 26, 27, I mean, and I still talk to him to this day. So uh, I'm just so thankful that I bumped into him and just knew and got to see what he was, what he was going through. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I just want that. And what do I have to do? to get yeah. there, you know, mm-hmm. and just really reflect hard, look in the mirror and see what I'm doing and what can I change in my life. So, and what are some of the, the things that you put in your mind now, or the things that part of your, like, what do you listen to and songs that have been encouraging things like that, that might also be an encouragement for our listeners? Well, too. I, I do uh, the Bible app. So oh, yeah, yes. I, I I enjoy that the U version. So they have mm-hmm. SoundCloud on there, and you can pick a plan out mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going to work Monday through Friday, that's what I usually have hooked up. Whatever plan is, and I'm hitting play and I'm listening to that. So um, the last three or four, I think I was listening to Hearing God, How to Battle Fear, and Hell's Toxic Trio. Uh, those were the three that were the newest that were on the Bible app. So, and then if you're going off of songs, I'm listening to 94.1 on the way home from work. Uh, I, I love the one day by Cochran and company. I think they say in it, we will see the promised land in that. And then revolutionary by Josh Wilson. So, and uh, in that, and, and part of that song, it says judge slow and love quick. And I just think that kind of applies to everything that we're going through in this world. I just hope that people do that, you know, because there are so many different things going on. Yeah. And I just hope people will judge slow and love quick. So. Judge slow and love quick. I like Let's that say that again. Say that again. Judge, judge slow, slow, love quick. We needed that today. Yeah. I needed that today. What if people in the world would do that more right now? That would be amazing. It sure would. Well, I just think you see posts on Facebook or any kind of social media and like someone that might be different from you on a different standpoint and they post something and then you see people right underneath just start going after each other. Yes. And it just, that just makes me think about it. It's like, Hey, it's okay if they think differently. Yeah. And like, and it could be even someone that I know it's a Christian and they're attacking mm-hmm. this person because they're not believing how they right. believe. And right. I, I just go, you know, that's not mm. how you win them over. You have no. to love them. And 
I don't know if it would be necessarily accepting them as they are, but maybe it is at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to see anything, just let them see love at that point yeah. in time in life. And just because we disagree with someone does not mean we have to be hateful to them. We can disagree with love and just, you know, hey, I don't agree. But we don't have to call names and get so cruel. People are quick to do that. And it just brings more tearing down. Uh, A a scripture that I'm thinking of that would benefit everyone in the world is Ephesians 4, 29. It It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So we have a lot of discussions right now, a lot of important conversations, Mm -hmm. many important topics that are going on with politics and with decisions and with health and with our upside down world right now. We can have those discussions, but we don't need to do it in a way that's cutting others down. We need to do it in a way that benefits people who listen. So so I often look at that, like Facebook and stuff, and think if I were not a believer and I saw people talking like this, particularly from the church, would I want to be a part of that? Hmm. And a lot of times, I think I wouldn't. Right. From some of the cutting and hatefulness going on, it's not a way to reach people. One of the things that we can do when we are in an opportunity, an open door of a conversation, we need to keep in mind that whatever words come out of our mouth, we need to say them with gentleness and respect. That's something in First Peter when our the scripture tells us, be ready to give everyone an answer for the hope that you have. Be ready to talk about our faith. Sure. Be ready to tell about my, my faith in Christ or my hope in Jesus, my, you know. But I'm not going to do it with slamming someone and cutting them down. I'm going to do it with gentleness and respect. So, right. Right. Agreed. So important. I was wondering, Adam, what would you say to a listener who's got a loved one in their life who was exactly where you were as a 13-year-old boy whose dad just passed away? What would you say to someone of how they could be an encouragement for that person? Or maybe the listener themselves just went through that or they're walking that right now. What would you say that can minister to them and just say, um, like, you've been there, you've been there. So we're just, just knowing that you're, you are so important. And in Luke 12, seven, it says numbered and known and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a flock of sparrows. Mm-hmm. So no, God has a plan through all of your struggles. Also know that tomorrow's never promised to those we love. So never go angry. Right. And, Something to keep in mind that right, yes, with family, if there is an issue, try you try your best to resolve it if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, there's healing and talking and sharing about your loved ones, mm-hmm. and I know that um, just from experience. And you never know what kind of great impact you're going to have on someone's life. So um, always, always do your best to show show God and your love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like your friends didn't maybe had no idea just bringing you to church or having that conversation. This is what I did to get out of that life I was living. Had no idea the impact that that might have on you today still. Yeah. I don't know either. I wish I could talk to him. <laughs> I'd love to ask him. So 
That would be a fun conversation for sure. <laughs> How are your mom and your brothers now? Um, my mom got remarried. Mm-hmm. So it would have been a year and a half after my dad passed away. So I did get a stepdad. And with that was a, a little brother that came along. So, um, and he was just a couple years younger. And I was always the youngest. So it was kind of nice to have a little brother. <laughs> so, and he didn't have any um, brothers. So it was good for him. So, um, my other brothers, it would be that my oldest one probably took it the hardest because he was closest with my dad. Mm-hmm. So he leaned towards alcohol and that's what he still is leaning towards. So the other two, which is kind of, uh, it's hard to say, you know, so everyone kind of went down their different paths. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what my wife always says. She's like, God had her hand on you constantly. Mm-hmm. You are so lucky how you came out of that situation and just, I look at it because there could be a fork in the road and I could have went down this other side and it could have been completely different for me. And I wouldn't be here today um, sharing this testimony and being on this podcast with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard her talk about that before, about how God had his hand on you. She said that to me before. Yeah. yeah. So very, very cool. blessed. <laughs> We're blessed that you took the time and the willingness to be vulnerable and talk about these things with our listeners today. And our prayer is that it's used by the Lord in someone's life, that it is a blessing to you as you're listening and you know, you're not alone and you hear the hope in Adam's story. And that's what we hope you are walking away with today as you're got us in your earbuds or you're on a run or you're in your car and God's with you. And Adam, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Jill. Wow. So everyone, I hope you really enjoyed Adam's story today on Afraid Not. I'm so grateful. Jill and I appreciate him coming so much and talking about some really important things that really um, are vulnerable in his life. And I hope that God used it to bless you today. To end today, we, I was going to read some of the lyrics to the song that Adam mentioned, Revolutionary by Josh Wilson. It says, I'm turning, down the t- I'm turning the TV down, I'm drowning their voices out, because I believe that you and me can find some common ground. Maybe I'm not like you, but I'll walk a mile in your shoes if it means I might see the world the way you do. May we, find, we may find we are more alike than we are different. Judge slow, love quick. And I think that is a perfect world, I mean, a perfect word for the world that we're in right now. That's right. And remember, you are more valuable to God than a flock of sparrows. You are valuable to God. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you in two weeks. Remember to subscribe and rate and review the show. Thank you. Bye.